0: A Slander, by Anton Chekhov, translated by Constance Garnett. Forward, by Gio Morone. Anton Chekhov's The Slander is a penetrating examination of rumor and reputation, highlighting the destructive nature of unfounded gossip. The story masterfully reveals how quickly a misunderstanding can escalate, affecting individuals' lives and altering their place within the community. Chekhov, known for his brevity and psychological depth, uses the slander to explore the fragile nature of human dignity and the precarious balance between truth and perception. The slander reflects on the consequences of careless communication, offering a cautionary tale about the power of words to harm. Chekhov's narrative, though set in a bygone era, holds profound relevance today, underscoring the universal challenge of navigating the complexities of rumor and reputation it prompts a reflection on the impact of gossip and the importance of verifying the truth before passing judgment. Chekhov's approach in The Slander showcases his skill in portraying the nuances of human behavior and the often complex motivations behind our actions. The story serves as a reminder of the need for empathy and integrity in personal and social interactions, emphasizing the significance of thoughtful communication in maintaining the fabric of society. Through The Slander, Chekhov offers insights into the enduring nature of human dynamics, inviting consideration of the themes of truth, rumor, and the effects of gossip on community and individual lives. His narrative stands as a testament to the power of storytelling to illuminate the complexities of the human condition, urging readers to ponder the lasting impact of their words on the world around them. Gio Maron, Serge Kapitonik Ahiniv, the writing master was marrying his daughter to the teacher of history and geography. The wedding festivities were going off most successfully. In the drawing room there was singing, playing, and dancing. Waiters hired from the club were flitting distractedly about the rooms, dressed in black swallowtails and dirty white ties. There was a continual huboob and dean of conversation. Sitting side by side on the sofa, the teacher of mathematics, Tarantulov, the French teacher, Pas and the junior assessor of taxes, Mizda, were talking hurriedly and interrupting one another as they described to the guests cases of persons being buried alive and gave their opinions on spiritualism. None of them believed in spiritualism, but all admitted that there were many things in this world which would always be beyond the mind of man. In the next room, the literature master, Dodonsky, was explaining to the visitors the cases in which a sentry has the right to fire on passers-by. The subjects, as you perceive, were alarming, but very agreeable. Persons whose social position precluded them from entering were looking in at the windows from the yard. Just at midnight, the master of the house went into the kitchen to see whether everything was ready for supper. The kitchen from floor to ceiling was filled with fumes composed of goose, duck, and many other odors. On two tables the accessories, the drinks and light refreshments, were set out in artistic disorder. The cook, Marfa, a red-faced woman whose figure was like a barrel with a belt around it, was bustling about the tables. "'Show me the sturgeon, Marfa,' said Ahineve, rubbing his hands and licking his lips. "'What a perfume! I could eat up the whole kitchen. Come, show me the sturgeon.' Marfa went up to one of the benches and cautiously lifted a piece of greasy newspaper. Under the paper on an immense dish there reposed a huge sturgeon, masked in jelly and decorated with capers, "'Olives and carrots.' Ahaneve gazed at the sturgeon and gasped. His face beamed. He turned his eyes up. He bent down and with his lips emitted the sound of an ungrisid wheel. After standing a moment, he snapped his fingers with delight and once more smacked his lips. "'Ah, ah!' The sound of a passionate kiss. "'Who is it you're kissing out there, little Marfa?' came a voice from the next room. And in the doorway there appeared the cropped head of the assistant usher, Vankin. "'Who is it?' "'Ah, ah!' Delighted to meet you, Sergei Kapitonich. You're a fine grandfather, I must say. Tete-a-tete with the fair sex, tete. I'm not kissing, said Aheniv in confusion. Who told you so, you fool? I was only... I smacked my lips, in reference to... as an indication of... pleasure, at the sight of the fish. Tell that to the marines. The intrusive face vanished wearing a broad grin. Aheniv flushed. Hang it, he thought. The beast will go now and talk scandal. He'll disgrace me to all the town, the brute. Aheniv went timidly into the drawing room and looked stealthily round for Vankin. Vankin was standing by the piano and bending down with a jaunty air, was whispering something to the inspector's sister-in-law, who was laughing. Talking about me, thought Ahaneev About me blast him, and she believes it. Believes it. She laughs. Mercy on us. No, I can't let it pass. I can't. I must do something to prevent his being believed. I'll speak to them all, and he'll be shown up for a fool and a gossip. Ahinev scratched his head, and still overcome with embarrassment, went up to Nothing. The- I've just been in the kitchen to see after the supper, he said to the Frenchman. I know you are fond of fish, and I've a sturgeon, my dear fellow, beyond everything." a yard and a half long, ha, 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 and, by the way, I was just forgetting, in the kitchen just now, with that sturgeon, quite a little story. I went into the kitchen just now and wanted to look at the supper dishes. I looked at the sturgeon and I smacked my lips with relish, at the piquancy of it, and at the very moment that fool Vankin came in and said, ha, 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 so you're kissing here, kissing Marfa, the cook. What a thing to imagine, silly fool. The woman is a perfect fright, like all the beasts put together, and he talks about kissing. Queer fish. Who's a queer fish? asked Tarantulov, coming up. Why he, over there, Vankin. I went into the kitchen, and he told the story of Vankin. He amused me, queer fish. I'd rather kiss a dog than Marfa, if you ask me, added Ahaniv. He looked round and saw behind him Mazda. We were talking of Vankin, he said. Queer fish? He is. He went into the kitchen, saw me beside a Marfa, and began inventing all sorts of silly stories. Why are you kissing? he says. He must have had a drop too much. And I'd rather kiss a turkey cock than Marfa, I said. And I've a wife of my own, you fool, said I. He did amuse me. Who amused you? asked the priest who taught scripture in the school, going up to Ahinef. Vankin. I was standing in the kitchen, you know, looking at the sturgeon. And so on. Within half an hour or so, all the guests knew the incident of the sturgeon and Vankin. Let him tell away now, thought Ahiniv, rubbing his hands. Let him! He'll begin telling his story and they'll say to him at once, Enough of your improbable nonsense, you fool. We know all about it. And Ahiniv was so relieved that in his joy he drank four glasses too many. After escorting the young people to their room, he went to bed and slept like an innocent babe, and next day, he thought no more of the incident with the sturgeon. But, alas, man proposes, but God disposes. An evil tongue did its evil work, and Ahiniv's strategy was of no avail. Just a week later, to be precise, on Wednesday after the third lesson, When Ahiniv was standing in the middle of the teacher's room, holding forth on the vicious propensities of a boy called Visekin, the headmaster went up to him and drew him aside. Look here, Sergei Kapitonich, said the headmaster. You must excuse me. It's not my business, but all the same I must make you realize. It's my duty. You see, there are rumors that you are romancing with that... cook. It's nothing to do with me. "'Flirt with her, kiss her. "'As you please. "'But don't let it be so public, please. "'I entreat you. "'Don't forget that you're a schoolmaster.' Ahaniv turned cold and faint. He went home like a man stung by a whole swarm of bees, like a man scalded with boiling water. As he walked home, it seemed to him that the whole town was looking at him as though he were smeared with pitch. At home, fresh trouble awaited him. "'Why aren't you gobbling up your food as usual?' his wife asked him at dinner. "'What are you so pensive about? Brooding over your amours, pining for your marfa? "'I know all about it, Mohammedan. Kind friends have opened my eyes. Oh, 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 you savage.' And she slapped him in the face. He got up from the table, not feeling the earth under his feet, and without his hat or coat, made his way to Vankan. He found him at home.' You scoundrel, he addressed him. Why have you covered me with mud before all the town? Why did you set this slander going about me? What slander? What are you talking about? Who was it gossiped of my kissing Marfa? Wasn't it you? Tell me that. Wasn't it you, you brigand? Vankin blinked and twitched in every fiber of his battered countenance, raised his eyes to the icon and articulated, God, blast me! Strike me blind and lay me out, if I said a single word about you. May I be left without house and home? May I be stricken with worse than cholera? Vankin's sincerity did not admit of doubt. It was evidently not he who was the author of the slander. But who, then, who? Ahaneve wondered, going over all his acquaintances in his mind and beating himself on the breast. Who, then? Who, then? We, too, ask the reader. The end. From everyone here at Geo's World, we hope you enjoyed this classic story by Anton Chekhov. Until next time, have a great day and stay curious.